Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I play World of Tanks still. I'm um, not necessarily happy about that. <laughs> so I, I'm Jay, so, and so has has Terraria. Is, is that the, the other game you're playing? Is, is that fun? Have you officially grown t- weary of it? Um, my son, My son roped my wife into playing something else, and they've been playing it religiously for the last, like, week, every night. Um, and it it um so i mean the really the reason i played terraria for the most part was not to play it solo it was to play mm-hmm. with my wife with your family. my wife my wife specifically i played it mostly with my wife but then my kids would join in from time to time um and with my wife not playing then i don't i don't have any incentive to do anything but they're playing a game called balloons td6 which i am i feel confused <laughs> It is a tower, def- a multiplayer tower defense game. Okay, that's the TD. I got you. Jeez, I'm yeah, an old t- man. Yeah, t- TD stands for tower defense, and um, it's multiplayer, so they get to play in the same game, working together to try to beat the puzzle. Um, and the theme is monkeys um, that are attacking balloons. So, like plants versus zombies, ever this is monkeys versus balloons. Um, anyway, it looks humorous. I they they've asked me to play a couple of times, but I'm like, I'm not convinced but my wife seems to be really enjoying it so and it's a cheap game you can get it on steam so yeah there's that who are you josh uh i am josh and calico is now in my house and i have mixed feelings about it because it's the first time that i've ever seen my wife get the family to punch a game out (laughs) (laughs) really yeah, like, really, she was actually really weird. punching things out too. Yeah, yeah, like she was like, "Kids, come on, let's punch you this out." Then of course she was too. I missed it. I think I had to go to the bathroom because I'm weak. I'm an old man. My oh. bladder hates me. Uh, yeah, it was really bizarre. Now she didn't go so far as to play it that night. She was tired after the punching out, you know. But yeah. again, we've come too far. <laughs> mm, and I don't want to call you a liar, Josh, but that seems highly unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you literally saying picks or it didn't happen trevor that was uh, yeah kinda yeah <laughs> i'll uh i'll get testimonials from the children and they can tell you <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing um i guess news from discount games inc um just just throw your paycheck at the computer screen <laughs> you will have a brief moment of happiness. It will be uh, Jay, did I already ask you if Discount Games Inc. or I know it's not a matter of if when Discount Inc. is going to get Arc Nova? Have you have you seen this yet? And the like ordering thing, man, it is on the hotness, and it's gonna suck me in because it's basically being pitched as like a terraforming Mars-like game, but with building zoos and wildlife conservation. It is. Um, I have pre-orders in for it. I don't have a okay, okay. firm timeline. That's all I need to know. I just need to know that I will have another thing to throw. Yeah, I've had lots of people, actually. Uh, What's it called? It's called Ark Nova, which to me sounds like it should be Noah's boat yeah, it's, floating it sounds in a like star. Be, right? but, uh, the you know, economy game of building Noah's Ark. Yeah, but yeah, you plan and design a modern, scientifically managed zoo, Trevor. Okay. <laughs> but I do think it's it's you know in the vein of like a terraforming Mars, you know, like you're you're getting out different cards that give you different abilities and powers, and you know <laughs> you're lowering your feces level while raising your <laughs> yeah. 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 
I mean, <laughs> I'm looking here at some of the cards. The African Spurred Tortoise has sunbathing value of three. <laughs> and it gives you the ability to sell up to three cards from your hand for four, some random resource each. Yeah, another John DeYoung said that it's going to be the next big hotness and I needed to order a bunch of it. Well, I'm glad you have somebody that can give you good advice about the next big hotness instead <laughs> of me. I've never forgiven myself for Tempus. <laughs> well, you know. I always feel like I almost I broke the young discount games. I don't game. understand why that game didn't go well. I enjoyed it. I still have my copy. I might have mine buried somewhere. <laughs> it was not it was loved so by the people, though. I don't, yeah, I, I know it wasn't. I remember the joy in your face every time you did the action make babies. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, uh, I guess this is going to be an episode of me uh, pitching various things to my co-host. Oh, uh, I do have. Yeah, I have a mini pitch or just more of a board game to report on. Probably. Okay. Let's let's go. Um, Start us out. It's a two-player game, so you can instantly throw it out. I'm amazed. <laughs> I'm amazed that I'm playing it, but my nine-year-old has just totally taken to it and enjoys it quite a bit. So this is a game by, um, by WizKids called War Chest, and it's basically uh, I think there are like 25, maybe somewhere in mid-20s range of these unique units, and every unit is these those kind of nice thick poker chips right and then every unit has a card associated with it that says like what its special power is or you know if it has any limitations and that kind of stuff and so it's just a two-player game of essentially uh trying to control certain points on on a map and you get dealt the uh four random units and then you've got to you know with those four random units, you you build a bag. So like your poker chips go in a bag, and so you draw out three of those chips every turn, and that basically lets you know like what unit might you be able to command, or maybe you should use it to recruit more of a certain unit, so there's more chance of you drawing that unit. You know. Um, so anyway, so this looks like to me. I look at the board here, and it immediately evokes Titan in my mind. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I, I guess you could call it a very mini Titan because, um, you know, combat is not particularly complex. Yeah, I was going to say combat is deterministic. Uh, the one thing, I, I only have the base game, and there are a couple um, expansions that I'm kind of interested in looking into now, one called Nobility and one called um, Siege, which I assume are, just adds a diff- different units and stuff. But but it's pretty clever. Like And, and so, like I said, it's been perfect. Like, the nine-year-old likes it, and and frankly, he's thrashed me at it the last two times we've played it, you know, so he clearly has kind of grokked some of the, the – the thing is, is he's he's almost won by attrition the last two times we've played it because he's managed to get me to maneuver to a point where he could kill my units and then I didn't have enough other units left in the bag to, you know, to be able to hold him back kind of thing. So um, anyway, I've been pretty pleased with it. I traded for it, and but it had kind of just been on my list for a while of like things to check out, you know what I mean? Here's what surprises me. I've never heard of this game, and it's ranked overall 190th. So it's it's in the top 200. Wow. Yeah. I didn't I didn't even look at the ranking. That that is surprising. It also um, was nominated in 2018 for the Golden Geek Best Two Player Board Game. Like it, I wonder if it that's has, how it got on my list. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it has some accolades, and clearly it's um, it's also. On the abstract games list, which I realize is not necessarily a comprehensive list or (laughs) an important one, it's number six. So, I mean, clearly the game, and it has a good, really good rating. So, and I've never heard of it at all until you just brought it up. I think you would enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, it's like, you know, especially if you're a person who enjoys chess, I think this would definitely scratch a cool itch. But, but I, I don't enjoy chess that much because it's too abstract, right? Right. This is, this to me gives just enough little salt and pepper shaker on the, you know, oh, that unit is a berserker. And so the reason that he can attack multiple times and, you know, remove essentially his hit points, because one of the actions you can do is you can stack the units up on top mm-hmm. of themselves. And that basically is every every additional disc is a hit point. Right. But every disc that you stack on to make them have, quote unquote, more hit points is one less disc that you might draw out of the bag to actually 
like maneuver them, right? Or attack with them and stuff. And so it it's kind of I, I feel like it has these kind of cool, you know, sort of decision weights that you have to make. Like and it was funny because the first game we played, uh my son, he like he had pikemen and he was so excited because their ability is when they get attacked by an adjacent unit, they also remove a hit point from that adjacent unit, right? And so he like stacked all four of the pikeman discs up on top of each other. And I'm like, yes, that is clearly an impenetrable pikeman who I will never attack. But also, do you realize he will never move again? You know, and, and then that was like, you know, one of those light bulb moments for him. And, and he'll never make that mistake again kind of thing, you know. So anyway, pretty clever. It sort of reminds me a little bit of, um, oh, gosh, I just I can't think of the name of those games. Like uh, it was a battlefield 1942 or whatever the the one where you pulled cards and if you didn't have a card for that flank oh you're talking about memoir 44 memoir 44 thank you yeah 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 yeah. no that is that is true that is kind of an interesting uh comparison because there is some of that where you're like oh man my knight is in place if i just pull one of him you know then he can he can take control of that point that i need to win you know and then you pull out three discs and you say bad words at that point Because you did not pull out the night, you know. Well, that's cool. I'm glad I brought it up then, because I'm surprised you had never heard of it. But, but you know, it's a two-player game, so you would normally ignore it. And it's interesting. I haven't played it. It, it has a four-player mode where you're on teams, you know, and the map's a little bigger. Lame. Yeah, I just never, I just am never willing to do that kind of thing. So because they're usually dumb. It's usually painted on thinly. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Well, I. I... I don't know how I'm going to take this information and move forward with it, but I think it is something that my son would enjoy. Um, we're just so bad about playing two-player games. Right. I feel that. Yeah. I'll throw it on the list for possibly for his birthday or something. All right. Well, here's my first pitch. And really, this is going to be directed at, at Trevor. Uh, and oh, so I, it's, a card, it's a card game then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, honestly... I'm going to pitch it to uh, Trevor, and he's going to be like, no, absolutely not. Under no circumstances <laughs> is this going to happen. Um, but, I mean, I guess it'll also hopefully be interesting to the listeners at large. So, um, the, so basically, the first thing I'm going to pitch is a, a player-made format for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Okay. So one of the one of the issues that you can have with any game like Marvel's Crisis Protocol or X Wing or etc., where there are these games where, like for for example, in, in Crisis Protocol, um, you when you buy a box set, it has the miniatures that you're going to play with. It has the stack cards for them, and then it will also have you know team tactics cards and scenarios and etc. And so I I feel like the game is is well balanced so that's good in its favor but if you're someone who is trying to have an entry point into the game or if you're someone who's wanting to play the game but not be the completionist that is you know buying every single thing under the sun for the game you That would most likely be me. Yeah, sure. So you can you can be at a little bit of a competitive disadvantage playing versus someone who has the entire collection of cards and can cherry pick things to fill out the roster and it increases the power level that they have available. Yeah. And it, it gets compounded with Marvel crisis protocol because with, you know, with some of those games you can buy just, you have to buy all of your faction to keep up, but you don't necessarily have to buy, every model in the game. Mm-hmm. But in Marvel crisis protocol, you really kind of need to have all the models in the game. If you want to have all the options available for a competitive environment. Yeah. I mean, that's somewhat true. It's definitely, if there are certain um, factions that you're most interested in, I don't feel like you have to be a completionist. Um, although if I, you know, this is true for a lot of miniatures games, I would say um, if, if you really are wanting to play it at like the highest competitive levels, then you likely do have to have almost all of the the product. Um, so that that kind of is what it is. Um, 
But one of the things that so this has been kind of a an issue that the community has looked at and been like, you know, this is we want to have a good entryway for people to enter into the game or a good format for people if that levels the playing field if someone wants to have a fun game but they don't want to, you know, feel like they have to buy everything under the sun. And so uh, there's there's actually a, a community made format that um, does this, and it was actually created by um, so a next War Machine player, um, Mark Giro. He has been playing Crisis Protocol quite a bit, and he does a podcast for it. He does some blog posts, etc. And he, I'm pretty sure he's the one who came up with this format. But it's called uh, the Three Box Challenge, and it's a super simple concept. Um, basically, you, you go to the game, and it can be either a league or a game you're playing with someone, whatever. And basically, all you can play with is are things from the core box, plus you pick three boxes that you are going to play with to round out your roster. And that's generally enough to be able to do uh, an affiliation. And... Uh, get things rounded out. So uh, Trevor just just got dumped by his network. So I, I guess savage. My my pitch to him is is going to uh, be a bit modified, I guess. But what's I guess what's your uh, initial reaction to that, Josh? Well, I mean, my initial reaction to like a simplified entry point, and the thing is, is that Marvel Crisis Protocol to me is not. You know, it, well, compared to War Machine, right, is does not have a particularly challenging entry um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. cost, right, or or even uh, difficulty level. But it's still enough that I would love. That that that's the thing about for me. I, I'm I'm gonna paint with a broad brush, right? But like miniatures games in general just have challenging entry points to me anymore, right? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe it's because I'm a tired old man or or maybe maybe that's in general, but it feels to me I think it's really well, encouraging to see the community your, recognize that, right? Yeah, I think one of your stumbling points is that I wouldn't say that, and this is probably true for both of us a little bit, but I have a pretty high barrier of entry to minis games in general. Like I, I have a lot of friends that are like kind of like board gamers who are like, oh, there's a, a new minis game out this week. What's the new hotness? I want to try it out. And like, I'm, I'm absolutely not that way. Um, I'm more so I want to find dig into the one game, right? The one game that I really like and, and dig into it. And part of that, I think is that neither of us are really painters. And so there's a lot of painters who are like, Oh, it's this is really cool to be painting all these different models from these different games, you know, etc. Uh, which is is not something I have. I also uh, I've also come to accept that one of the reasons why picking a miniatures game that I like and sticking with it works well for me is because it tends to have a lot of tactical depth that I can play over and over without mm-hmm. having to learn a bunch of new rules, and so I don't have to go through the living hell that is learning a new board game over and over. And so that works <laughs> <laughs> well for me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, like, have you tried the three box challenge yet yourself? Um, I, yes, I have played a few games of it. And one of the things that's, um, I think kind of interesting with it as well is that it adds a, one of the things that can also be an entertaining aspect of miniatures games is kind of the uh, downtime when you are thinking about list building. And this adds like an additional wrinkle on your list building. And there's, you have like this additional step of like, okay, what are the box sets that, you know, I'm interested in playing and what do they come with? And, do I potentially want to consider a different box set because, you know, it has this character in it or it has, you know, this tactics card in it. Um, oh yeah. Is, okay. Interesting. It's kind of a fun additional thing to 
be thinking about when you're when you're doing your your list creation so um help me understand like if i well let's just take me who has the base box right and yeah. hulk i think right okay. so if i understood the way you were explaining it to me like there is a three box challenge that i would be able to participate in with only that much of a purchase level right um i mean you would be so would, would i still be kind of dis- yourself a little bit okay okay um i would you would likely end up deciding i mean honestly you could play with that and be fine because okay. um hulk is one of the ones that uh, they recently just did like a, a rules update and character update and hulk went from being one of the worst characters to one of the better oh interesting okay and so he he you could absolutely he would absolutely be a great addition to um to your three box challenge okay cool cool welcome back trevor yeah sorry (laughs) um the other you would you would likely want to expand and get two more boxes one of the ones that's pretty popular is vision and so he's one you might add but and and avengers have a ton of um boxes that that they can choose from and so you'd you'd likely end up picking up two more boxes and and having three boxes for your three box challenge so do you feel like that this ends up kind of filling a need that's somewhere between like you know opening the base box and you know buying everything and 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 going and and playing competitively like does that question make sense? You know what I mean? Like you could play the three box challenge yes, sort of semi competitively, right? But like Yeah, I mean honestly, if I were to the majority if 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 I were the type of person who was running events at Gameopolis right now <laughs> for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yes. Um most of the constructed events that I would be running would be three box challenges. Because they for the for the players who have everything um it's still a fun format for them and it just encourages people who don't have everything to uh feel like they're not like wildly disadvantaged or encourage them to you know take the plunge to come play etc yeah yeah that's cool um so you, you didn't hear a fair bit of what i was talking about trevor but i guess what's your what's your thoughts slash reactions to to the format uh, well, I'll be honest, I didn't hear enough to, you may not known how early I, I fell off, but I missed almost a hundred percent of it. So, oh, okay. Uh, essentially the way it works is you play with the core rule box, uh, with its 10 characters and its cards and scenarios. And then you pick three additional boxes and you can only play with the contents of, of those products when you're doing your list building and including the cards that you add from those three boxes. Correct. Yes. So you can't play with of if if you own cards from other box sets, uh, you you cannot play with them. Um, I think that that it's um, definitely a a good entry point, and like you said, it's a great uh, it's a great way to get community started. I mean, we do obviously you know in War Machine and Hordes we did something very similar. Uh, the community did, and and the, the company did in the. Um, you know, tooth and claw, mangled metal. Mangled metal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're limiting severely what needs to be brought and what needs to be understood in order to play. So, I mean, this is a very similar situation. Yeah. So I, I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah. It's, uh, I was, one of the things I said to Josh as well while you were gone that I like about it, just to repeat myself, I guess, is that list building is something that's, that's fun when you're, not playing the game and you're at work avoiding uh working etc <laughs> and how dare you accuse people of doing that <laughs> this adds kind of a fun pull to that where you are uh you know spending a fair bit of time deciding like you know what boxes do i want to actually select from out of these that have the cards i want or the characters i want etc and so it's interesting that they say boxes and not characters, because some boxes have one character and some boxes uh-huh. have two. Yes. So. And that is a yeah. So I, that's that's part of your decision process. Decision process as well. You know, are you going to pick the Green Goblin box set that only comes with Green Goblin, or 
are you going to go with some of the ones that have two? So, uh, all right. Clearly, well, the correct answer is rocketing. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go that route, are you going to take Star Lord, who uh, is another one who he's the only uh, character in in that box set? So. Yeah, I will. I will say that my barrier to re-entry into Marvel Crisis Protocol is is largely just the the number of models that I've missed over the years. Right. And getting them all purchased and bought and painted is is a monumental task to catch right. me up to where they're at right. currently. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean that's part of the reason why I said I I would like I would I would be over the moon thrilled to you know start doing regular three box challenge games with you or um have i like i said i think that that would be the most common format that would be played um at events etc if those things ever happened again (laughs) yeah um you know let's start with let's get done with this pandemic thing (laughs) does does the three box challenge address that at all All right, so my next pitch, this is one that you're going to help me out with, Josh. Oh, man. But I have finished Station Eleven on HBO, and I have not read the book. I have only watched, and so the show on HBO, it is a 10-episode miniseries that it's, and I guess it's a miniseries because it's not going to have future seasons, um, but it's it's not necessarily mini in length. It is 10 episodes that are most of the episodes are around 50, 55 minutes. Um, and so I've, I've watched that. I have not read the book. Um, Josh, you're, you're kind of in the inverse situation of me. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's, it's tough for me to say, uh, audience because I, uh, never pay attention to that. I'm pretty sure it is rated, TVMA. Um, I w- I don't see how it couldn't be, but okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess my my lead off is just to say I I think it's amazingly it's an amazingly well done piece of television that they 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 just did a, a, an amazing job with, in my opinion. Well worth the time to um to sit down and watch. I, I wasn't sure I was going to enjoy it. Um, I guess, it's especially a, given the fact that, right. The, the current circumstances. Yes. Yeah, so this is basically post-apocalyptic, you know, post pandemic, uh, Trevor, that's what this story is, right? Is that fair to yeah, say? Basically, this is a story about a, a very deadly flu hits the world and kills most of the people in the world. And in the show, it will kind of, it like the first episode is the pandemic breaking out and people like trying to stay alive, et cetera. Uh, and then after that, it will, the main timeline is 20 years after that, but it will occasionally do flashbacks to the, the time before uh, that. I was going to ask you about that. I just assumed that it would be doing flashbacks. Which, yeah, does, how does it how does it does it do that in the book as well? It does. It's... Yeah, it absolutely does. But I feel okay. like I feel like flashbacks would be easier to handle in a in the right. television medium, right? Yeah. And one of the one of the things that I do appreciate about so everyone I've talked to has said that the book is fantastic. I, I absolutely do believe them. But one of the things that I appreciate about this TV show is that there's a lot of so the main group of characters they are involved in a they're they're a, a traveling group of uh they're called the traveling troubadours essentially yeah they're yeah they're the traveling orchestra or something um and so they're they're shakespeare actors who travel and put on plays and so one of the things that i appreciate about the show is that like kind of the costume design and the set design for their plays. I don't have an imagination that would have, I guess, delivered the visual impact that the show delivers for what, what you see of, of them as they're doing their shows, uh, which was something I thought was, was very impressive. 
Well, the thing about the book that I just I, – I, I remember more how it felt, right? Than- and that's – yeah. So I would – you know, I was trying to think about how would I summarize this. And the thing that's kind of interesting about the show, and I, I, I think that it you – know, from what you're saying, it kind of matches, is that there isn't necessarily like this strong plot necessarily that is driving forward the show. Yeah, like it's not The Walking Dead. Like they're not trying to figure out what happened. It's not um, – oh, shoot. What's the other post – oh, it's not V or Why the Last Man, right? You know, because I just had a different feel than than your typical – what I consider your typical post-apocalyptic right. tale, right? And so that's interesting in, the show does that too. In what way? Um, I mean, what, I what call is the feel more like, I want to call it more like – human and like yeah it's like not so apocalyptic i guess it feels like you are just experiencing humanity or the human experience but 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 still answering the question of what would happen if 99 percent of the population died right like what that look like in two decades and maybe that's maybe it's that time differential that allows them to kind of you know give that feeling i guess i don't know it's it's interesting and because a part of what it does trevor i feel like is as the plot goes along you know you have moments where these characters are like dealing with um really traumatizing moments i mean like again 20 years past all the death right like uh am i remembering right jay there's there's sort of like a kidnapping element that happens at one point in time with some bandits or something like that and I don't know. And it, it, so, yeah, it just felt different than than other post-apocalyptic stories um, that I've read before. And not in a bad way, I, just just in an unexpected way for me. Hmm. I will the, say go that ahead. you guys have – I mean you mentioned um, well, The Walking Dead, which is you know trying to find out why. But there's – and you talk about Why the Last Man, which is they're looking for a way to fix it. Yeah, but I, right. I feel like the majority of post-apocalyptic is just like it is what it is. And here we are, we're having to live in it, which is right. things like Mad Max, which is more of like what you're telling me. So I, I'm wondering. Well, and let me say this. I feel like this ends up feeling more, I want to call it hopeful in a way, like not as grim. It almost, right? It's it's yeah. not like in the, in the future there is only war, right? Which is how I feel. And I like feeling with something like a Mad Max or a Walking Dead, right? Like. I, I like to. I'm, I'm a pig. I want to roll in that mud. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> there's, there is almost an element, a philosophical element of like, you know, when the world collapses around you, how are you going to find joy or continue on with life, or how is life going to be worth living? Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that probably is kind of the question it it uh, answers or asks at least. Maybe yeah. So I guess I guess maybe the part I'm hearing. Uh, maybe you're not quite saying is that maybe it's not so much about the survival. Yes. I think that's a good, I, I think that's fair to say, Jay. So like, most, yeah, I would say it's, it's more good. about the, it's more about the people, right? Most, and, yes, it most, is. most post post apocalyptic stories that I've been told over the last 30 years all involve how to survive. Yeah. Like, like how will I find the like food the, and how, where right, will I shelter so, myself and, or how do I avoid the alien invasion? Yeah, like right, right, uh, right. Uh, quiet place, uh, the road. I mean, all of these. The Book of Eli. They're they're more about surviving against roving bands than they are about normal human life and how do you find fulfillment now that society's collapsed. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's a little bit more of a question of um, how do you not become a monster or etc. I mean, there there is. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, in the in the show, does do does the comic play a role well? Do you feel like, or does it get addressed at all? I I just have this memory that there was like one character who like had this comic book that spoke to the other characters in a, in a, in a way or something like that. Um, he, he's he's kind of a prophet in in the show. I think if if we're thinking okay. of the same. Well, I'm talking about thing. the comic book. Sorry, like. Okay, so. I mean, real quick, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the comic book and the name of the show. So, okay, in at, at the start timeline, there that you end up seeing some flashbacks of. There is this woman 
who she is a she as a child she immigrated from uh the virgin islands i think something like that to america because the island got destroyed by a hurricane and she ends up marrying someone who is an actor and she works in logistics and she's working on this work of art for an extended period of time and and people are you know like asking her like oh how's your art going etc but it's really something that she is doing because she it's it's art that she wants to create for herself almost mm-hmm. and it she finally finishes it and it is this graphic novel named station 11 that is a um it has astronauts in it and stuff like that and she you know goes to her local print store and makes five copies and the the copies end up um some of them go to different people and different kids etc and you will some of the things that are interesting with the show is there will be kind of like you'll see someone get a book in the uh before in the times oh the before yeah, times okay. before times and then it'll have a reveal of like here's this person in uh the future and, oh interesting okay and it will also have kind of like um the the people there will be people who they don't realize that they knew each other 20 years ago and they start interacting with each other, um, et cetera. And so there's kind of that layer as well of, I guess you're, you're getting relationships revealed to you or the characters are getting them, uh, as the show goes on as well, which is, is kind of an entertaining thing as well. Um, and so it's, I guess one of the last things I'll say with it is it's kind of like what Josh said in the, it's, it's a little bit difficult to describe, but I would say that it's one of the most emotionally impactful shows that I've watched in, in quite a while. Um, and again, I would say that the, the quality level in, um, I, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, fairly recently watched all of, invasion which a uh, spoiler alert from a previous chain attack i thought the writing behind it was just <laughs> uh, <rough>. fire <laughs> to then watching this where you know everything in my opinion in this show was just done at the highest level uh, so, so i i saw this show when it first released on hbo max right. and read the premise right and um, you know, post-apocalyptic should be right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I don't know why I just, it sort of didn't excite me. I too had this reaction. <laughs> well, it, it, it's surprising. Cause like literally I should read the, po- the words post-apocalyptic and be done at that and point. That should, I, should just, yeah. I should hit play. That should be like a card game to you. Son of a, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, I think I, I think that, that you know at that point I I can't think of any other media Genre. right no I mean any other post apocalyptic thing oh, that yeah. I've that I've ever turned down yeah that's interesting right so I don't know Part if they the just reason... did a poor job at, at marketing it to me or yeah or to everybody maybe because I, I mean it did the same why... thing today yeah it did part of the reason why I came back to it was well I mean a I you worked. just had a lot of friends recommend it, right? Well, I ended up, um, I've been watching a lot of TV, first of all. Um, but also, so I was looking for something new to watch. Um, but I also had, I, I saw that it was like starting to get a lot of, um, buzz on like awards. Oh, interesting. So, um, they just needed Lord Humongous to announce it to me. I would have. Been uh, <laughs> That was what they missed. Jay, I want you to make a prediction that we will never scientifically be able to test. How would my wife respond to this show? Oh, um, I would, I would, I would probably say that if she stuck around, she would probably like it, but that she probably wouldn't stick around. Okay. Interesting. That sounds like a danger. Will Robinson to me. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would probably recommend something else before that. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, we'll never be able to know. We'll never know. No one's going to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's the end of that one. Uh, any any thoughts or comments on it before we move on? I kind of wish you'd stop pitching HBO shows because I, I just feel the like the scales slowly tipping towards me actually getting one. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been watching a lot of HBO stuff. I I still don't know how to feel about this. I still have this like I'm I actually am really curious. You're deeply you confused would, at this point, right? What you would think of of the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the problem is as I mentioned in the pre-ramble is I have the most horrid uh schedule over the next 2 weeks, 3 weeks uh because of uh World of, World of Tanks. World of Tanks. And so Jay, if we had if we had mentioned that there was like a World of Tanks manual in <laughs> Station 11 somehow that would have sealed the deal but we failed. We just need like Twitch drops based on Station 11 that you now give me some reward for watching it. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I I I do plan on watching it. Um my wife and I are currently watching Hannah um which is it's kind it was kind of high on her list. I was interested but it wasn't all that important to me but we're in the middle of it and um it's it's also gotten some i think better reviews as the seasons have gone on um but i'm having a hard time getting through the first season so hmm. um all right so my next one was really just a mini pitch and i've talked about it on the discord and so uh we don't have much time this will work out fine um the other, so currently on hbo is the movie The Last Duel. And it is, I've, I've now watched, I watched it in uh, the theater and I watched it on HBO. Um, and it is a, um, I'm having a, it's a Ridley Scott movie. Um, had a pretty severe backlash, I feel like, from people who are like, screw this movie, I, I don't have any interest in it. Um, without ever having watched it in most correct cases. yeah like they just um, weren't interested in the, the subject matter or like what i think the yeah i think the premise i i think that right now um night movies the the whole uh, it's sort of like westerns they're just kind of dead right now oh okay all right <laughs> the other mini pitch that i had for you was a western by the way <laughs> forever well i i'm all on board i still love westerns. yeah i know i know so. Um, but they definitely are not popular. Like even the big, right. even the big production westerns don't do. I mean, it's nothing like you know a big big production western in the '60s and '70s or '50s, '60s and '70s. You know, big bucks. But now you you pitch a big western and it, you know it's just expected not that it's not going to bring in a lot of money. Right. Um. So the the unfortunate thing with this is that I feel like I have to do like a trigger warning essentially about the movie before I recommend it to anyone because it is a movie about rape. Oh, jeez. Okay. And it, it, it tells a story about a real, real events with yes. real, and the, the, the main characters are real people. Happened in the, happened in the 1300s. And basically it is, it, it tells the same event from three different points of view. Um, and in my opinion, it's, it's really interesting, really well done, and it does end with this big duel that is uh, also well done, fun to watch. Um, it has a great cast. Um, it has Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, um, and and I think that honestly, a lot of it is probably not just the night thing that that Trevor mentioned, but also just that it's kind of a I've I've read several articles about it online where it's said it's like kind of a me too movie, but it feels like a, a lot of people don't really want to watch a movie about rape made by a bunch of white dudes, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) which is fair enough. Feels reasonable. Yeah. (laughs) And there's also a lot of people who are like, you know, this came out during the pandemic and there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? I don't really want to watch a movie about rape right now while i am 
dealing with getting through this effing pandemic, which again, also fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and let me, I'm going to steer Jay's commentary a little bit. I, when we originally, when Jay and I originally talked about this, I had not seen it, but I have seen it. Okay. And, and I feel like, um, I feel like this is more about believing the witness, a female witness in a rape case than it is about the rape itself. So maybe that helps your desire. Maybe that hinders your desire to, to see it. I will say that as a person who has never experienced any sort of sexual trauma in my life, I have no ties to this sort of topic. It was not easy to watch for me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so there is that. So I can understand people who do have um, some emotional ties to the topic, not wanting to watch it. Yeah. I, I do think the topic of, I mean, because of the, it, it, I think the topic is interesting because there were beliefs during the 1300s, some of which persist today in some of our more um, mm-hmm. Id- idiotic members of Congress. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that clearly are idiotic in in that time and people just want to like smack their forehead things like the belief that a rape cannot end the body in, will just shut that down if yeah, it's the, an the, illegitimate <laughs> yeah a, a rape cannot cannot end in, in, in cre- the creation of a child and just just all these things that that they use against the accused or against the sorry not the accused the uh, accuser to try to discredit her is just um it, or there's 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 parts where like you know when she is on trial as or being a witness as part of the trial you know well the, you're you're saying it right i mean she really is yeah on, she really is on her trial. testimony is on trial more yes. than more than the accused she is on trial more than yes. the as the accuser it's re, it's pretty ridiculous but yes that's and, what carries to today sometimes that feels like yes. and the priest is like you know who is questioning her is asking her if you know, she enjoyed herself or, you know, things like that. And, and it, it definitely, you, you, it evokes obviously today, you know, people asking or feeling like, oh, well, you know, did she ask for this or did she deserve this in some way to have been assaulted? And so I, I will say that the movie more than anything with, for my wife made her angry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one, one final spin that I will, I'll, I'll say with this that I thought was interesting, um, is that, so Matt Damon in this, he's, he's scarred, he has a mullet, he is not attractive (laughs) and he is, um, in, in my opinion, I think it's probably the best depiction I've ever seen of someone with like high fighting stats. And, okay. And, and, and low charisma, charisma. low Stat. charisma, intelligence, and wisdom, and and he just like goes to court and just gets it's it's basically a cautionary tale to anyone playing a D and D character <laughs> 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 of what can happen to your fighter uh, when you when you pick dumb stats because <laughs> it's it's amazing watching him portray uh, this this fighter who's trying to deal with uh, political machinations. It, it also, um, one of the things this, the, the film does is it does a very good job of um, playing up the perceptions that the three had of the situation. And it does a very good job of showing how he sees the situations wildly different when else does, yeah. you know, because he, he's, he's one of those people who's a little bit um, ignorant of what's actually going on. Like he just doesn't he doesn't see the actual interactions as they yeah, are. Or he's he'll he'll very much be like, you know, this is my right and this is the right thing that should happen and doesn't like understand the way that uh, my social... heart my heart went out to him because he's <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt bad for him. Uh yeah. Anyway, the 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 what I did want to say though is I think it does a really good job of telling the same story from three different viewpoints without rehashing yes. the, the same thing. It doesn't over. feel like Groundhog Day. Uh, hmm. Although it should, because Groundhog Day is a much funner film. Yeah, yeah, I was well. going to say, this film sounds heavy. I can't even believe that Groundhog Day made it into the discussion somehow. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. I watched Groundhog Day again last night, and it's if you want something that rehashes Man, you are so thematic. Fun, well done. 
if you want to, yes, I, I intended am. to. I should have. Yeah. Uh, you should watch Groundhog Day. Watch this. I've watched Groundhog Day. I don't know how many times. 20, 30, 40 times. Oh. Uh, I don't think I. It's a great film. Don't get me wrong. And I bought it. I probably won't watch the last duel again. I don't know how long it's going to take until I'm willing to sit down and watch it again. Five or six years at least. I did watch it. I mean, I did watch it twice because part of it I wanted to have the second viewing of seeing. Uh, I, I, I felt like there were going to be a lot of things. Yeah, they um, maybe missed the first time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just, I don't know that I can. It's one of those films that I really enjoyed, but the weight of it does not encourage me to watch it again. Yeah, that's that's fair. Anyways, I know it feels like it's kind of a, a mixed recommend. Um, yeah. So take that for what you will, I guess. It does feel <laughs> like it has a little bit of caveat emptor in it there. Yeah, but I think it's where if you if you if you shied away from it because the general populace said no or critics didn't like it, I I think that's not giving a fair shake. I think if you're a a movie buff and you enjoy those heavy topics and you want to see it discussed in a way that um, would make you think, that you really should spend some time and, and watch it because it is a good film. My I'm I'm not going to go into the pitch on this one, but I watched a movie last night. I'll save it for later. I'm curious if you've watched it yet, Trevor. Um, have you watched Power of the Dog? Uh, that name doesn't even sound familiar to me. Um, I'm way out of touch during the pandemic. I just don't know about new movies. Whatever. I blame World of Tanks, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair, too. Okay, well, it is, it's a Western um, that is on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't recognize the name. But I yes, I'm going to watch it. I have not seen it yet. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear what you think of that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let us know what you guys think of the various things that were pitched today. And uh, we're interested in hearing your thoughts.